everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today we're going to tackle part one of a really important topic, and this is really grappling with the question, is singleness really a gift? And we're going to dive into that both this week and in the next podcast. So whether you are single or you know someone who's single and struggling with maybe discontentment in their singleness or confusion over whether their singleness is even okay, then I hope these episodes will really encourage you. Over the past 20 plus years that I've been in Christian ministry, I have encountered so many Christian single women who have really struggled with discontentment or restlessness in their singleness. And a lot of times it's not just a personal restlessness that they feel or grappling with their own personal desires. A lot of time the pressure is coming from other people. So often in Christian circles, the church can act like single individuals are somehow maybe incomplete until they're finally married. Sort of like we don't really know what to do with all these singles. We have we have all these things for married couples, all these things for families, but singles just kind of float on their own out there and they're kind of incomplete until they get married. Maybe you've had that feeling if you're single. And well-meaning friends and family members seem to constantly hint Uh, to single women about what's going on in your love life. Do you have someone special? When do you think you'll finally meet Mr. Right and settle down, etc.? Not to mention the pressure from the culture. And sometimes this can be not only frustrating, but completely overwhelming, where you feel like your singleness is really a problem that needs to be solved and anything but a gift. And in the past 10 or 15 years, I've noticed that there are some new messages flowing through Christian circles, really targeting single women, attempting to speak to this issue. And I don't really believe that all of those messages are truly biblical. Some of them actually promote and excuse being discontent and angry about being single. And maybe some of these messages have caused confusion for you or a single woman that you know. And so I want to dive into that in these next two episodes and really ask that question, is singleness really a gift? Some of the messages that have hit the market in the last few years on Christian singleness have really attempted to speak to the secular culture's growing disregard for the importance and sanctity of marriage. And I definitely agree that marriage is becoming less and less sacred in the culture's eyes and more and more something to just sort of sneer at and scoff at. And it's really important that we as Christians don't take that bait or pick up that same attitude. So a lot of the messages that are targeting singles have some really important truths about this. They speak against the indifference towards marriage that is so prevalent in pop culture, and they encourage us that marriage was designed by God and should be held in high esteem. They emphasize the importance of God's command that we should be fruitful and multiply through marriage and family, rather than women just pursuing a career or cultivating this independent attitude that our culture pushes. And they declare that our desire for marriage is not wrong, but healthy and God-given, and that God designed marriage, not premarital flings or maybe platonic relationships, to meet our desire for love and companionship. And another good point about some of these messages is that they emphasize the fact that 
there's an issue with modern masculinity. So often women are frustrated because they're surrounded by self-focused men, even though these men might be calling themselves Christians, they don't seem to value marriage or even really pursue it. And they, they tend to just want to remain overgrown teenagers, maybe playing video games in their parents' basement when they're 35 years old, and they don't want to grow up and take responsibility and pursue marriage and, and family. And these messages that are targeting single women really speak to that issue that this is really not a reality we should just accept. And I definitely agree with all of those points. But I also feel that a lot of the messages targeting Christian singles can easily misidentify the culprit behind the diminishment of marriage in today's world. They may admit that our sinful and godless society is partially responsible for the modern decline of marriage sanctity, but often they don't stop with that as being the culprit. They sometimes often point an accusing finger at the church's classic teaching on biblical God-centered singleness. And to me, that's where the danger lies. Some of the writers of these messages say that if we're among those who actually believe God has a plan and a purpose for singleness, then we're guilty of diminishing the importance and sanctity of marriage, which I definitely disagree with. Some go as far as to say that if we choose to joyfully embrace singleness as a gift from God, we've actually been duped by Satan himself. There's actually a quote from one book on Christian singleness that says this, the belief that remaining single is legitimate and godly is a work of the devil. Read that again. Satan dishonors marriage by fooling us into believing that singleness is okay. Wow. If you read that, that quote and take it to heart, talk about putting pressure on single women to shed the stigma of singleness. They've actually been fooled by Satan if they think that their singleness is legitimate and okay. And sadly, all too many single young women settle for someone who's not really a Christ-focused man because we feel this pressure to get out of this, quote, trap of singleness. And principles such as waiting for God's perfect timing for marriage, trusting him to actually orchestrate the details of a love story, and finding contentment and purpose in singleness are not only being questioned by modern people who speak on singleness, but sometimes openly mocked. Another book on Christian singleness says this, many singles over-spiritualize their single state, thinking it's more holy to look to God alone for fulfillment, but that's inconsistent with how he made us. Again, that's something I definitely disagree with. The message of these, these books and other messages that are flowing through Christian circles goes something like this. Christ is not enough to provide the fulfillment that we long for. If we try to find contentment in our singleness, we're just over-spiritualizing something that God never intended. Now, these authors and many others like them believe that unless we've been specifically called by God to the lifelong path of celibacy that Paul chose, we can never be truly satisfied until we find our marriage partner. Do you see anything wrong with this idea? Now, if these kinds of messages were only being promoted towards women who have maybe embraced the independent, look out for number one, exalt career over marriage and family kind of attitude, then I think those messages would maybe hit the mark a little better. I don't agree with their approach, and I don't feel like what they're saying is biblical. 
But I do agree that awakening independently minded women to God's sacred intent for marriage is really important. The problem is that the hyper independent career above all else woman is not really the type of woman who's reading those books or listening to those messages. In fact, I believe that type of woman, at least in Christian circles, is usually the minority. After traveling around the country and the world extensively for the past 20 plus years and working with thousands of single women, I have not found that the church is overflowing with single women who have sworn off marriage in exchange for selfish pursuits, usually what I've found is an abundance of young single women who are wallowing in discontentment and putting their lives on hold until they finally meet their spouse, assuming that marriage is when their real life will begin. And when that kind of woman reads a Christian book who says she should be discontent and frustrated with her singleness and actively, aggressively pursuing a husband, the results can be really devastating. I remember talking with a Christian counselor one time who told me, I see so many single young women in my office who are completely missing out on God's amazing purpose for this season of their lives because they are completely preoccupied with finding a husband and they don't see how they can be happy until they find one. For the majority of single women today, Satan hasn't duped them into accepting their singleness. In fact, the single women I've encountered who have accepted their singleness as a gift from God are joyful, radiant, and fruitfully changing this world for his kingdom. Rather, what I've seen is that Satan has duped a lot of single women into believing that they can't really live or be truly happy until they are finally married. Not only is this patently false and unbiblical, it's also the opposite of God's intent for the single season of our lives. We can't evaluate the correctness of a message that's floating through Christian circles based on how it make, makes us feel. Messages about getting rid of our singleness and rushing out to find a husband might feel good to our fleshly, selfish, impatient side, but they don't line up with the pattern of the gospel. And if we listen to those things, we'll only end up reaping heartache in our lives in the end. Is contentment in Christ really possible? That seems to be the question that a lot of single young women want to know. So let's take a look at this question. Is contentment in Christ truly possible during your single years? Or is looking to Christ for contentment just trying to over-spiritualize your singleness? Psalm 42 1 says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. I love that psalm. It's such a beautiful picture of how our soul should long for him. And as the deer pants for the water, which is the thing that can satisfy the thirst of the deer, we are to be longing after Jesus Christ. Only he can truly satisfy the deepest needs and longings of our soul. When we look to a human relationship to meet needs in our heart and soul that only Christ can meet, we will end up putting unhealthy pressure on that other person and will end up disappointed and disillusioned. I've often told the story of the Chinese pastor who was thrown into solitary confinement for a year because of his, his faith in Christ. And for an entire year, he was completely stripped of all human contact, all comforts. He was kept in a single cell in the dark with a plate of food shoved under the door once a day. And when he got out after a year, he was almost blind because of being kept in the dark for so long, but his face was glowing and radiant. And when people asked him what it was like, he said it was 
the best year of his life, complete contentment in the presence of Jesus Christ. Here was a man who had gone over a year without any kind of human companionship, and he'd never known such peace and fulfillment. He understood that Jesus was all he needed. Jesus became, in reality, his all in all. And because of that, he didn't just survive those difficult months of his life, he triumphed through them. If it is possible for a man like this to be perfectly satisfied with Christ alone, then it is certainly possible for you and me. Yes, it is true that God designed us for a relationship with others, and for many of us, in fact, probably most of us, he designed us for marriage. But it is not true that he alone isn't enough to fulfill us at the deepest level, even if every form of human companionship is stripped away from us. The primary error that is being proclaimed by these messages that we've been talking about is that Jesus Christ is not enough to fulfill us at the deepest level of our soul. No matter how intelligent or spiritual that error sounds, the reality of of the word of God says that Jesus is enough. He is meant to be our all in all, whether we are married or single. The fact that God created marriage and that we are to esteem it as a holy institution is evident throughout scripture. Yes, it was not good for Adam to be alone, but that was not because God himself was not enough to fulfill Adam's needs. The Bible explains that God created Eve because Adam needed a helper, a companion to do the work on earth that God had called him to do. There were many blessings and benefits that came to both Adam and Eve through their companionship with each other, but their marriage was never to take the place of God. He was still God, and he was still meant to be their first and primary object of love and worship. Psalm 73, 35 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth I desire besides you. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And Psalm 1079 says, For he satisfies the longing soul. Notice that it doesn't say, For marriage satisfies the longing soul. He, meaning God, satisfies the longing soul. All throughout the Bible, Jesus Christ is shown as the perfect fulfillment of our heart, the sweetest satisfaction for the human soul. He is called the one who fills all in all, not the one who fills us halfway so our spouse can fill us the rest of the way. Marriage was not designed to make up for what God lacked. It was not that God was unable to meet the longings of Adam's heart so he had to create Eve. He created marriage to be a reflection of the perfect union and fellowship that we have with him. The entire Bible really is a love story, a romance between Jesus Christ and his bride. God is a God of romance. Our earthly marriages are meant to showcase the ultimate marriage that we will one day share with him, just as the Song of Solomon and so many other scriptures beautifully portray. But even if we never experience earthly marriage, we can be completely fulfilled by an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, the lover of our soul. He and he alone is the one who fills all in all. And in some of my books, I have a list of all the different qualities of Jesus and what he wants to be in our lives. And the list is truly astounding. Our healer, our well-beloved, our hope, our Lord, our shepherd, our leader, our restorer, our resting place, and the list goes on and on and on. And if you really want to look at this exhaustively, go to BraveheartedChristian.com and watch the short film, He Is, because it talks about who Jesus is and wants to be in our lives, beginning at the book of Genesis all the way through Revelation. When we understand who he really is and we come into intimate fellowship with him on a daily basis, then we won't try to satisfy the longings of our heart just through an earthly relationship. Now, once again, I want to point out that many of us are called to be married. 
Now, in saying that Christ wants to be our all in all and we are to look to him and not marriage to meet the deepest needs of our heart, I'm not trying to downplay the sacredness or the significance of getting married. But the principle of finding fulfillment first and foremost in Christ is crucial, even for those of us who are married or who are called to be married one day. The reason is because the Bible makes it clear that married women are to be helpers to their husbands, to honor them, respect them, serve them, and help meet their needs. But unfortunately, many of us as married women are so busy trying to somehow make our husbands into the picture-perfect men of our childhood fairy tales that we don't spend much time thinking about how we can selflessly love and serve our spouse. Just like single women can all too easily try to solve their deepest longings by finding a man, married women can fall into the same trap, nagging and manipulating their husband in an effort to change him into their fairy tale ideal. But a woman who is fully satisfied in Christ is free to selflessly love and serve her husband with an unconditional love, and this kind of woman will have far more ability to help shape her husband into a Christ-like prince than a nagging, self-focused, emotionally needy and demanding wife ever could. So don't fall prey to the lie that Jesus Christ cannot fulfill the longings of your heart, whether you're married or single. The most spectacular divine romance with Christ awaits if we'll simply allow him to be everything to us. Rather than being preoccupied with solving the dilemma of singleness, if you're single today, God's word says that we, in those years of our lives, we should be consumed with loving, knowing, serving, and worshiping Jesus Christ. It may sound impossible to become excited and fulfilled in your single years, but I guarantee that if you submit your mind, your will, your emotions, and your desires to Jesus Christ, he will supernaturally enable you with the joy and peace you need in order to walk this narrow way. If you're a single, don't take the advice of the modern Christian culture to hurry up and get married already. Take the advice of Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 and discover the incredible gift and opportunity awaiting you in these single years, the chance to serve the Lord without distraction, whether that's for a season or for a lifetime. We'll dive into part two of this question, is singleness really a gift, in the next episode. Meanwhile, be on the lookout for our upcoming online course called Secrets to an Amazing Love Story, where we dive deep into this topic of godly singleness, and it's appropriate for every age. It's several hours of video teaching from Eric and myself and uh, all sorts of resources to really help you understand the biblical framework for godly relationships. It only opens a couple times a year, and starting next week, it'll be a available for a limited time on our website, braveheartedchristian.com. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.